wasn't so bad after all. I'm just preparing your heart for what's coming up. Actually, there was a simple. There is a simple solution for the coronavirus. There's only one continent on this earth that hasn't been reported. You know, any cases there? I'm in Antarctica. So we take all the healthy individuals and move them over there. They will be safe and sound. Any volunteers? It's frozen. I think yesterday, uh, Chi, out of the blue, asked me, um, remember the sermon that you preached a long time ago with all the names, you know, that you couldn't pronounce, you know? I said, yeah, I remember that one really well. That was my worst sermon ever. So so today is uh, very close to it, so just bear with me. So now that you're used to singing a song that you're not familiar with, we're going to venture into some unfamiliar territory. I have a confession to make. When Steve preached last Sunday on Exodus and mentioned about God's provisions, my mind flew back to a sermon I preached a long time ago. I'm going to share the sermon again. I would like to dedicate to Jerry Massey, the number guy. He often loves to use number and calculation in his conversation. I bet that right now he's got the calculator ready in his hand to punch in some of the number that I will mention in my sermon. When I used to go skating, I usually went by myself. When Jamie and Jennifer were teenagers, they were too embarrassed to skate with their father. As parents, we usually say that children should be seen and not heard. As teenagers, they often say that parents should neither be seen nor heard except when they were asking for spending money or the car keys. I think that Jamie and Jennifer didn't want me watching them interacting with their friends. It just was not cool to be seen with parents. When I arrive early, there are usually few people on the ice. As I skate around and around, I began to understand the phrase of having a one-track mind. My concentration was entirely on the one track that I'm skating on. My focus was neither to the left nor to the right. My mind should only attend to the task at hand. My energy should be spent on accomplishing my set goal. My eyes look ahead to ensure that I am on course. I enjoy those one-track mind moments when I'm when skating. But as far as preaching is concerned, I also have those one-track mind period, where I can only think of the 26 alphabets. Every night that I couldn't sleep, instead of counting sheep, I'm reciting the alphabet from A to Z. Hopefully when I get to Z, I will be able to doze off to my dreamland of giant, colorful alphabets. <laughs> Today's sermon is brought to you by the letter Q. When God impressed upon me the letter for today's sermon, I raised the question on my lack of qualification in preaching a sermon based on this particular alphabet. There's no use of quarreling with God 
C.S. Lewis has said, arguing with God is like sawing a branch on which you are sitting on. As I withdrew into my usual quarter, where I quietly waited for his guidance, slowly God turned my, turned my query into a quest. Rather than seeing the Q sermon on the same difficulty level as quantum mechanics and pushed the idea, I learned that quintessence can only be achieved not by trying harder, but by seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. God gives an assignment and he provides the means to complete the task. Without looking, can, can you name some words that start with the letter Q in the Bible? Yeah. Quick. Yeah. One more, one more. Quail, oh. yeah, that's oh, you just hit it. <laughs> You're the winner. <laughs> according to uh, according to my account, there are 18 distinct words that begin with the letter Q. They are quick, quarter, quiver, white, quails, quick, quit, quarrel, quench, quarries, quiet, queen, question, quicken. Quantity, quicksand, quaternions, and quarters. Quarters, that's the uh, name name of an individual. Quarters. Quaternion. There will be a spelling quiz next week to to test you on all the Q words that I have just read. I'm not going to be as easy as Steve, you know, giving you all the so easy questions. I'm going to speak on four of them. Can you guess which four? Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm going to speak on quail, quench, quarrel, and quicken. If you find me quivering during my preaching, you will just have to excuse me because this is the Q sermon. If you, I see you shaking your head and make a quick exit for the door, I will excuse you. But who wants to hear someone based on the letter Q? Right? For the rest of you who decided to stay, let's quadruple our attention to learn the lesson and the biblical truth in these four Q words. Quail, quench, quarrel, and quicken. With my first, very first point, I'm getting into the meat of the sermon. I'm going to talk about quails. Of all the preaching that I ever heard, I cannot recall any that touch on quails. So this might be a unique experience. Quail. There are only four occurrences of quails in the Bible. Let's examine the passages that speaks about quails. Exodus chapter 16 verse 13. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay around about the host. And in Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, 
and as it were, they journey on the other side, round about the camp. And as it were, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all the day and all the night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathereth least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And also in Psalm 105, verse 40, the people asked and they brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. So after the Israelites left Egypt and before they entered the promised land, quails were God's provision to the Israelites in the wilderness. When I was preparing today's sermon, I was going to mention quails and talk about God's Provisions to us always is sufficient, meeting our needs, abundant and timely, and using other Bible passages. When I examined these few verses, I was intrigued by what was the contents of God's provision. To be more specific, how large an area did the quail cover? How many quails were given? Are you ready, Jerry? So there's some important notes. In both Exodus 16 and uh, 13 and Psalm 105, verse 40, the descriptions were rather brief. All we know is that God brought quails in the evening and they cover the camp. However, when we examine Numbers chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, we were given some facts. Let's look at these facts. The Lord brought quail from the sea and let them fall by the camp, and it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp. So we're looking at a circular area, basically. Let's make some assumption and we can proceed to estimate the area covered by the fallen quails. Imagine the center of the circle is the Israel, Israeli camp, represented by a single point. The radius is a day's journey. How far is the day's journey? So we need time and speed. We assume the people travel when there is daylight that represents eight hours. How fast can the multitude travel? Roger Bannister booked the four-minute mile in 1954. That was the year I was born. Most people can walk a mile in about 30 minutes. The multitude traveling on rough terrain with old people, children and cattle can probably move at about half a mile per hour. So a day's journey can be calculated by multiplying eight hours by half a mile per hour, which is four miles. What is the area of a circle? Any student? Area of a student, what's the formula for area of a circle? Pi r squared. Pi r squared, right on Steve. The radius is four miles, so the area covered by the quail is estimated to be about 50 square miles. Most people have no idea how big an area 50 square miles cover. Let's look at something that we are familiar with. 
a football field. That measures 110 yards by 65 yards. So the area of a football field is about 7,150 square yards. And one mile equals 1,760 yards. So one square mile equals about 3.1 million square yards. So the area of the football field in square mile is about 0.0023. So how many football field, fields can we fit into 50 square miles? The answer is, Jerry, come on. <laughs> I thought you got to calculate already. The answer is 22,000. Try to form a picture in your head. The number of quails that can cover a football field, and you multiply that by 22,000. The provision of quails cannot be a natural phenomenon. It must be the act of a sovereign God. Wow. The numbers all goes to my mind. How many quails were given? To answer this question, we have to know the density of quails per unit area. Since we were not given this information, and there's no way that we can even begin to estimate this figure, we will rephrase the question to how many quails were collected. From Exodus chapter 12, verse 37 and 38, we were given an approximate figure of the number of people who left Egypt. The verse reads, and the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot. There were men besides children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And also from Numbers 1, verse 47, uh, 46, we were given a more accurate count of the number of Israelites who left Egypt. Even all day, there were number were 600,000 and 3,550. So the actual number of people is higher than 60,000. No, uh, 603,550, since only males who were 20 years old and upward were numbered. If we assume that each household has five males, that are 20 years and older, we would have 120,710 households. We were told in Numbers 11, verse 33, that he, he that gathered at least gathered 10 homers. According to one Bible dictionary, one homer is equivalent to eight bushels. If we assume that we that each household collected ten homers only, and each homer equals eight bushels, the total collected quail would be about nine point six million bushels. If each bushel can hold fifteen quails, the numbers of total quails collected is one hundred forty-four million quails. Wow! There was a lot of quails. A lot of people. And I'm sure some ingenious wife will come up with 101 ways of preparing quails and getting popular with a newly published cookbook. <laughs> the two estimates that we went through and not to 
are not to show that we have the ability to calculate. They point our eyes heavenwards to acknowledge our God is an adoring God. Our God is an awesome God, and our God is an amazing God. Let's address the reasons why the quails were given. There were actually two incident, instances that God provided quail for the Israelites. The first instance took place after they have just left Egypt. Exodus 16, verse 1. And they took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. When did Israelite leave Egypt? Number 33, uh, verse 3. And they departed from Ramses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all Egyptians. So the Israelites left on the 15th of the first month and arrived in the wilderness of Sin on the 15th of the second month. So after they left Egypt and traveled for a month, their supplies must be running really low and nearly exhausted. That's why we were told in Exodus 16, 2 and 3, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. After God sent the ten plagues in Egypt, Pharaoh reluctantly let the Israelites go. And Pharaoh changed his mind and decided to pursue the Israelites, but God delivered them by parting the Red Sea and drowning the Egyptian armies. After the Israelites experienced God's redemption out of the land of Egypt, and witness his deliverance from the pursuing of the Egyptian chariots. They still had not learned the full to fully depend on God and his provision. They still murmur and complain about their living conditions. And worse yet, they reflect back to the days in Egypt, where they worked as slaves, where they were oppressed, and where they had no freedom. They probably hardly had enough to eat, but they constantly refer back to the flesh pot in Egypt. Moses remind, reminded the people that they were not murmuring against him, but against God. Exodus 16, verse 8. And Moses said, This shall be, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord heareth your murmuring, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmuring are not against us, but against the Lord. Despite the murmuring and complaining of the Israelite, God still provides flesh for them to eat, as we read earlier in Exodus 
16.13. The second instance occurred in Numbers 11 when the Israelites were traveling from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. God was displeased with the complaints of the Israelites, for we are told in number 11, verse 1, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. The people cried to Moses, and Moses prayed to God to stop the fire. Then the people murmur and complain about the food situation. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. However, God further showed his displeasure by asking Moses to tell the people in Numbers 11, verse 18 to 20, And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh, for ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. You shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it comes of your comes out of your nostril and will be loathsome unto you because that you have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? When we get to the end of Numbers 11, the Israelites suffer the consequences of their murmuring and complaining. Numbers 11, 33 and 34 say, And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was due, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people that lusted. There are a few lessons for us to learn here. God is capable of providing supernaturally for us as he chooses. God acts according to his plan, not ours. God's provision is always not what we expected, but it is sufficient to meet our needs. God, who is omniscient, all-knowing, and he hears and knows all our murmuring and complaining even when we have not verbalized them. Psalm 139 verse 4, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. We might murmur and complain about the circumstances we find ourselves in, 
We may murmur and complain about our spouses, our children, our parents, our health, our jobs, or our financial situation. Ultimately, we are murmuring and complaining against God. As King David reminded us, our sins are ultimately against God. For he said in Psalm 51, verse 3 and 4, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. We are clearly instructed in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. The same instance that was in, recorded in number 11 was briefly retold in Psalm 78, 26 to 32. Verse 26, he caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He, he rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like the sand of the sea, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. For so they did eat, and were well filled, and he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouth, the wrath of God came, the wrath of God came upon them, and slew the fattest of them, and smoked down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sin still, and believeth not his wondrous works. It is so sad that the Israelites did not learn their lessons of full dependence upon God through the quails. Hopefully, we learn from the quail incidents and live our lives pleasing to the Lord. Quench. We are deeply affected by the advertisement we read in the newspaper, magazines and internet. We are greatly influenced by the commercials we watch on TV. Children may have difficulties remembering lessons that they have learned in school, but I know many of them have no problem recalling a cool commercial. We grown-ups are just as bad. We might be challenged to remember the names of people we have met, but we usually have no trouble naming the characters in movies and novels. I am no better. When I thought of the word quench, my mind automatically jumps to the Gatorade commercial <laughs> with the sweaty body athletes quenching their first thirst after their workout or training. There are two aspects of quenching that I'm going to talk about. Positive quenching and negative quenching. Like most lessons in life, we have to learn what to do and also what not to do. Spiritual lessons also operate in similar manner. They encourage us as to what we should do, whom we should follow, 
and the direction that we should be heading. They warn us as to what we should refrain from doing, whom we should be avoiding, and the direction we should be keeping away. Positive quenching can be found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So we were told in Ephesians 6.12 that we are fighting a spiritual warfare, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The two main strategies of Satan are lies and deception. We are told to take the shield of faith, make sure our shield of faith is faith in Christ, faith in the living word, and faith in his promises. Then we can discern the lies and deception that comes our way because we are firmly standing on the God's word and his truth. Negative quenching can be found in First Thessalonians, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse nineteen. Quench not the spirit. The following are the reasons that we should not quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. We were told in First Corinthians, chapter two, verse ten to thirteen. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which thing also we speak, not in the words which, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. If we quench the Holy Spirit, we will not be getting any teaching from God. The Holy Spirit enables us to accomplish things. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now serving the Lord would be very ineffective when we quench the Spirit. We cannot walk with the Lord when we quench His Spirit. Micah. 3 verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? A walk straight from his way when we do not agree with the Holy Spirit. We are going our own way, which do not honor God nor glorify Him. So, what are the results of the church quenching the Holy Spirit? If the church is not leading by the Holy Spirit, if the church is not glorifying Christ, then the church is not operating by the New Testament teaching. 
Holy Spirit through the gift of his member, that's the work of the church. If these gifts are not present, recognize or deny, the church has to find other ways of getting the work done. That is the reason we find many churches relying on humanism, business methods, psychologies, or political means to carry on its activities. They are success-oriented rather than glorifying Christ. They are tailoring the message to attract non-believers instead of telling them the gospel and cost of following Christ. They boast their numerical growth falling short of building up the saints. They devise many programs to entertain different groups to keep them happy in preference of preaching Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, quench not the spirit. Quarrel. To my dismay, there are only four occurrences of the word quarrel in the Bible. Sometimes I wonder why I picked this particular key word to expound on. It's not many easier one. I will try to quarrel with God and get an easier assignment, but he will just remind me of Isaiah 55, verse 89. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Quarrel is defined as severe or angry disputes or contentions. Break in friendly relationship, cause of complaint. Have you ever quarreled? Or should I ask, when was the last time you quarreled? Did you quarrel with your boss? Did you quarrel with your employees? Did you quarrel with your parents? Did you quarrel with your sons or daughters? Did you quarrel with your brothers and sisters? Did you quarrel with your friends? Did you quarrel with the people you dislike? Did you have a quarrel with your spouses? How do you resolve your quarrel? Uh, scripture teaches there are two sets of things. There are the things above and the things on the earth. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things on the earth. What are the things on the earth that we are to avoid? Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 9. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, Fortification and cleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse 7. In, in the which ye also walk some time, when ye live in them. But now ye also put off this anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, 
filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. What are the things above that we are to seek? Colossians 3, verse 10 to 14. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. For there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythians, born nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, power of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. In Colossians 3.13, we are exhorted to resolve quarrel by forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us. Quarrel breaks up relationship between us. Let us cultivate the spirit of forgiveness based on Christ's forgiveness of our sins. Quicken. In both our salvation and our sanctification, they are all of God and none of us. Christ paid all when he went to the cross of Calvary. Christ conquered death when he rose from the dead the third day according to the scripture. He ascended to heaven so that he can send us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Christ is our sanctification. First Thessalonians 5, 24 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Quicken means to revive or to restore life to. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sins. He is the reviver and restorer of our life. The Holy Spirit also is the one who that gives us the ability to do, the desire to worship, and the will to obey. Let's read a few passages that show us the role of the Holy Spirit. John 6, 6 uh, 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to 14. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, that, and if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raises up Jesus from the dead 
dwell in you, he that raises up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And also 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. As we were exhorted earlier to quench not the Spirit, let us learn to allow the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives by totally getting out of the way, by submitting and surrendering surrendering our all to God. If you didn't get anything out of the sermon, you at least found out there are 18 distinct few words in the Bible. There are only four occurrences of the word quarrel. There are only four occurrences of the word quails. As a preacher, I can only act as a signpost to point you in the right direction. Knowing God is a lifetime adventure. It is your own personal adventure. Our guide is none other than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches the deep things of God through the inspired Word of God. As we abide in the living Word, who is Christ our Lord, we can grow spiritually. As we yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we shall bring our lives to bear fruit in His time. Robert Morrison once said in his sermon, God does not waste and redeem life. Our lives are to be to have a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You cannot glorify God if you don't know Him. You can only know God the Father through Christ Jesus, His only begotten Son. For the Lord Jesus tells us in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. As the kill sermon is quickly drawn to a close, I'm quite relieved that it is finished. <laughs> Thank you again for your quiet patience. If you have any queries, I will be glad to answer them. I'm going to quit now and ask David to close in prayer. And then we will sing 495 in the red hymn. Turn your eye unto Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message that was brought to us by your servant Chris. May we all take our cues from it this week. And we pray that we will go out and be effective witnesses for you in the world. Part us now, we pray in the precious name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 495 with the red window.